Welcome back to the Abundant Culture Podcast, where business owners like you come to learn how to grow the valuation of their companies so they can sell in the future. On this show, you'll learn how to sell for top dollar and invest in profitable businesses around the country. Now, here are your hosts, Jazz and Joe. Hi, Chad, and thank you again for coming on to the Abundant Culture Podcast. We're super excited to have you today because you always bring literally so much knowledge in the Inner Circle Mastermind that we're a part of, and I don't know why we didn't have you on the podcast sooner, but you're here now. But before we you know, talk about all the marketing and business stuff, we have to ask you, you know, what is that entrepreneurial journey? Like, tell us how you even got to the point you're at now. Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks for having me on. Um, so my journey is a little uh, unconventional, probably like most entrepreneurs, right? It's, it's never just that linear line, right? Yeah. And it, it goes all the way back to when I had my first and only job. <laughs> I was uh, 15 years old, bussing tables at a country club. Really, really high net worth clientele, right? And uh, worked there for about four and a half years, five years. And that's kind of how I put myself through college. And one thing that really kicked it off was when I started working in the, the men's grill, right? That's where all the, the high rollers went and, and had, had drinks and gambled and whatever. And they all knew I was a car guy, right? So they all were bringing in their brand new Porsches and Lamborghinis and you name it. And they throw their keys on the bar and say, Chad, I just got this new car, man. You got to go try it out. And I'll never forget when I got handed the keys to a brand new Corvette Z71 or ZL1 and it had 50 miles on it. And he told me to go do a burnout in the parking lot. And this is brand new car. I was like, Oh my God. Meanwhile, like, like I'm from like a super middle-class family. Right. And you know, my, my folks and relatives were driving around the Chevy Malibu and it hit me. I'm like, all right, something is really, really different here, right? Something like serious is going on. Well, they're all business owners and real estate owners and and high, high level executives, right? And ever since then, I kind of just started thinking about money differently. And I had this one mentor and he said to me, he said, Chad, if you want to you know, make, create wealth, you have to f- first start focusing on solving bigger problems, right? And then I just became into this little hustler. That's all I did. I just hustled, hustled, hustled. I was, man, I did it all. I was flipping cars. Um, uh, I had one, one, uh, of the members was complaining about, uh, his son getting, getting whooped on, on the football field. And I said, send him over. I'll train him in the gym. So <laughs> I, then I became a personal trainer for, you know, a couple hundred bucks a week. Right. And then another guy is complaining about his wife, who doesn't like the look of their backyard. I said, let, let me come by. I'll, I'll get that taken care of for you. Now I have a crew of landscapers. I'm, you know, this it is all happening from 16 to 20. And I was making some money, man. You know, I was making some money. Right. So I was like, this is awesome. Um, went to college and really the main thing I learned in college is life's about relationships. It's about who, you know, uh, and that really in college, I learned how to network and build solid relationships um, to the point where every year when my finals came around, 
I would typically go travel, whether I was going surfing down in North Carolina or something. And I'd go to my professors and say, hey, I got to take my finals a week early. Nine times out of 10, I wouldn't have to take those finals because I had such good relationship with my professors. So I was like, man, you know, I ended up graduating college with the whole honors thing and I hardly even tried. All I did was hang out and, you know, ask my professors to, to dinner because I would ask questions that weren't covered in the topic of that class. Right. So that's really the pivotal moment. Um, and then I eventually got into real estate. Yep. But that's where it started. That's where it started. Just a young kid hustling and bustling. If you had a problem, I wanted to solve it and put some dollars in my pocket. That's all I, I didn't, didn't care about partying. Didn't care about football games and chasing girls. Like I cared about making money as a kid, man. <laughs> I don't blame you. Right. <laughs> That's a really awesome story. And I think to any business owner, owner that is listening to this, uh, a great benefits package, if you can put it together, is find a way to let your, at least your guy employees, figure out how to do burnouts and super <laughs> expensive cars. Because I kid you not, I would have been so loyal to that job just because of that. I, oh, probably, I probably could have hated the work, <laughs> probably didn't like the work, might not even like the coworkers, but I would stay and, and tolerate whatever I had to tolerate, at least for a little while just to be able to do that so that's awesome that's amazing that's it was crazy. Cool. so uh tell us like what what you're up to in real estate now yeah for sure so we syndicate apartment buildings and i've been doing that for going on three years now and my main role in that business model is building out our marketing systems and automations making sure they're they're living they're thriving they're bringing in leads on the money side they're bringing in quality properties on the deal side and that was like my superpower and it still is to, to get me involved in real estate because the truth is uh, the very first real estate deal I did was 82 unit apartment building in Branson, Missouri. I don't know how. I had never done a deal before in my life. I had no real estate experience whatsoever, but now I'm in a place where we buy apartments, right? And um, that's what eventually kind of spawned what I used to call my ugly uh, stepchild consulting company because I had no idea like what I was doing when I first started it. Um, but that's grown like crazy because a lot of people in the real estate space saw what I was doing and said, hey, how can I implement this in my business? Right. And so now I offer different services to other real estate entrepreneurs as well. But it's been an awesome journey for sure. It really has. You know, it's funny. I have, a, I would say probably about 90, 90% of my friends uh, here are you know, making six figures, maybe multiple six figures in a normal W-2 job, right? Doing really well for themselves. And that's awesome. But it's so funny. It's like, they'll tell me about these conversations they have with their boss and, and how their boss is, is making them mad or how their, their, uh, their PTO didn't get approved. And I'm like, dude, I would be the worst employee ever. I would be horrible. And so I joke and I, I joke all the time and, you know, I'll say, oh, I got fired and I'm unemployable and this and that. And it's just fun. Right. But the truth is, like, I would be a horrible employee. So I'm really, really glad this is at least worked out this far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's good. Uh, I, I think I'm a similar way because even when I was trying to find work, it was very hard for me. So evidently other people think I'm unemployable as well, uh, which 
in a long term worked out. But mm-hmm. um, one of the questions that I really wanted to ask you about, because when you speak about the marketing and things of that nature, your expertise like really shines. It's mm-hmm. like, oh crap, like this guy is like, he didn't just watch some YouTube video and then quoted me the YouTube video. It's like, he's done rep and reps and sets of this and now he's awesome at it. Can you tell us about like, I guess, what are your favorite marketing strategies as a business owner to use, whether you're raising capital for real estate deals or even uh, finding the real estate deals themselves? Yeah, for sure. And I'll, I'll try and speak in a, in a way where all business owners can grab something from it, right? Yeah. The biggest one I see that is the game changer for me and the people I've worked with and the folks who hired or who have fired somebody and had a bad experience with somebody. It seems like where everyone goes wrong is there's actually two pieces here. Number one, they try to get married on the first date right? Whether I'm trying to find someone who wants to uh, invest quarter million dollars into a real estate deal, or I'm trying to sell them, you know, a $5,000, you know, high ticket uh, education offer, right? Where I see a lot of people go wrong is they just go straight to the off, right? No rapport, no goodwill, no authority, no, no social proof, right? There's a lot of things that have to happen inside of our mind as a buyer before we can say, yes, this is, this is what I need to do. Because the fact of the matter is letting go of your money is oftentimes painful, right? Mm-hmm. Off, like whether it's for a good investment or not, yeah, have an attachment to the things we work hard for. And so you have to understand the level of the psyche of a buyer, right? What, what are they going through and what steps yeah. need taken to make that transaction, number one, pleasantful for them to take, but also get, have them make sure that you're selling to the right people, right? Because nobody wants to have it. Actually, this is actually pretty funny because this happened to us. Nobody wants to have the investor in their real estate deal who's calling them every month and, hey, Chad, did Sally renew her lease in 103? What color are we painting the doors? Uh, is, is how's the maintenance man's cat doing? You know, you don't want that investor, right? So, um, putting the right offer in front of the right person at the right time, so 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 crucial. Um, and then you know, spending the subsequent steps along the way, really. And I think where people just miss the step is they're not trying to digitize their selling process as if they would face to face, right? If you, mm-hmm. if you knock on my door and you're trying to sell me something for 1500 bucks, you know, a good salesperson is likely going to try quickly build a little bit of rapport. They'll probably compliment my car in the driveway. Right. Um, they'll probably tell me, Hey, I like cars too. Here's what I got. Right. They're going to try and connect. With me, right. Um, and then from there, they'll probably try to establish a need. Do I need this product? What, you know, does it help me reach a goal? Does it help me avoid a pain? And when it comes to online marketing in general, I think a lot of people just like kind of go rogue. And maybe it's because we, we have this marketing culture right now that sometimes gives off the, the facade that Facebook ads are just a money generating machine. But that's just not true. Like you could, you could go and try and make a Facebook ad campaign and it'd be terrible and it, you won't see any ROI, right? And so there's certainly a process to it. Um, and yeah, I mean, for me, like, it's always just about testing, 
And, you know, I think regardless of what industry, what offer, it's not as straightforward as people make it seem. Right. And I think, you know, someone will, and I see this happen a lot with like marketing agencies and stuff. They'll just set up an ad campaign and say, Oh, it's live, but they're not like taking the time to track the data, uh, test optimizations, test conversions, test headlines, et cetera, and really get that cost per lead as low as it, as it possibly can, which is going to, you know, increase your ROI on those kind of campaigns. Um, so I know I kind of rambled there, but yeah, I just think like the truth is when I was in college, we had this accounting professor and he would always say, you know, uh, numbers and finance is the language of business. If you don't know your numbers, you're dead. That's so true. Right. Mm-hmm. But here's where he went wrong. He would make fun of marketing majors and say it was a, a stupid major. But the truth is, if I'm not bringing money into your business through proper marketing, there are no numbers. Your accounting your, 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 your numbers are, it don't matter. Yeah. <laughs> and I saw that culture, like people kind of knocking that for quite some time, but marketing, like proper marketing is a science and it is just an insanely massive revenue generating uh, piece of a business. Absolutely. So I treat it as such, right? So <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, I think that's so true as well. And I think marketing it, it's funny because I think, humans have naturally grown to have face-to-face interactions. So we handle in-person interactions very well. And then we move to Zoom and we do okay there. We move to phone calls, we do okay there. But then for some reason, when it comes to digital advertising, it's like all hell breaks loose (laughs) and everything falls apart. And I'm even, you know, guilty of that side too, where it's like, I can talk to somebody and build such a great relationship, like either through phone or Zoom or in person. And then when it comes to online, it's like, like everybody wants to just kind of stay away. You <laughs> know, like I just have a bubble force field around me. And it's like, when I was speaking to you uh, and when you were speaking the other day, I realized that it's like, for whatever reason, people uh, interact differently online than they might on um, in person. So in your opinion, like, why does that happen? And I guess, what are some things that someone can do to kind of just fix that? Yeah, no, that's a, that's an awesome question. I'm really glad you asked that. And it's the simple answer of time. When you're writing an email, you have as much time as you want, right? You can go look up fancy words, you can triple check your grammar, your punctuation, you have all the time in the world to construct that email. Same with a personal, you know, uh, message on Facebook, same with a Facebook ad, you have all the time in the world. And so I think a lot of times people think, oh, I need to sound this way. My people want me to sound this way. I wouldn't polish, punctual, et cetera, et cetera. But oftentimes when you do that, um, it just takes away the authenticity of yourself. Right. And especially in, you know, it's different across different businesses, but especially like in a brand based business, like especially my business where my face is, is the brand of my businesses. Um, every, I don't even think about it. I just, when I'm typing something out or building an automated LinkedIn campaign off a different profile or whatever, I just speak exactly how I would normally speak to somebody if I was meeting them for a beer. Right. Um, it's the same with email marketing, right? Like when you start to automate those things, my goal with all of my email campaigns is so that at one point or another, 
the person reading it feels like I, I wrote it directly to them and nobody else, right? When somebody replies to my automated email, I'm ecstatic, right? Because it t- shows me they connected with it. They, t- they read it, they connected with it, and they took the time to reply back, right? So yeah, I mean, I just, you know, again, it's different in different businesses, but um, in mine, I love the fact that I can do business as myself, as I normally would, just having a conversation um, and just show up, show up to my business, to my brand as my authentic self every single time, which makes it a lot easier too. It makes it much more relaxing when you don't have to put on a new hat every other week, right? Yeah. If you own a small business and you might be looking to sell, you could run into some major issues. Forbes estimates that nine out of 10 businesses listed never actually sell. Why? Because there's only one way to sell. You need to do these four steps first. So if you want to be a part of the 10% of businesses that sell for profits, we've created a free checklist for you so you can sell without those hurdles that normally hold you back. Download the free checklist by visiting www.abundantculture.co forward slash checklist. Yeah. And I, and I, that's something I really resonate with too, just because, you know, even in the industry that I'm in, which is private equity, uh, one, it's pretty secretive because for whatever reason, I don't know why it's secretive, but it's just hard to find information on a lot of things in that industry. But two, I also think, you know, like a lot of people in that industry, or, or at least from what I've seen, they sound almost like robotic in a way, and they use all of this industry jargon. Yeah. And, you know, while I get it, it does make them sound pretty intelligent, but for the person who might not necessarily be there yet, they're not going to connect with that person. And I've even, you know, had conversations where I said something to somebody and they were like, uh, you explain that one more time. And then I come up with some like really simple analogy. And then they were like, oh, why didn't you just say that? I was like, I don't know why I didn't just say that. <laughs> <laughs> I could have just saved both of us so much time. So right. I think having that authenticity is something that is really key. One of the things you brought up was that, you know, you have all this time in the world to kind of curate this content and make it perfect when you yourself isn't necessarily perfect. Do you think it would be of value if somebody either like, you know, maybe didn't proofread it a certain number of times or maybe gave themselves a time constraint or even just like say the message and then instead of like, you know, typing it out, just say it and then see how it comes out then. Like, what are some of those, I guess, uh, tips you would give to somebody when they're writing something and they're doing it maybe in a persuasive way or just to build rapport? Uh, What is something that they could do to make sure that they're coming through a lot more authentic than they otherwise? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so first, first thing I'd like, I'd like to say about that is like the, the massive benefit of showing up with authenticity is people are going to respect you more for it. When everyone's over here in the noise and you're over here being yourself, that's a very, very admirable and respectful thing to do. Uh, number two, people will connect with you deeper, right? This is just a real kid. This is a real dude. You know, that's why I say to people all, I'm just a kid buying real estate with my friends. (laughs) Um, but to answer your question, I would just say, you know, when you go and, and like, let's say you're constructing an email um, and you write it out, like I'll still proofread my stuff because I like 
I would care about grammar, you know, enough to where I don't want to like misspell something like five different words. Yeah. Right. Cause that doesn't, that doesn't make me look authentic. That makes me look kind of lazy and uneducated. If I can't, if I can't spell worth it, worth a darn. Right. So, you know, do spell check your stuff. Right. But at the end of it, I would just read it out loud to yourself and say, is this something I would, I would say to this guy, if he was standing right in front of me, would I talk like this? And that's really it, man. If yeah. you know, if you can't, if you can't answer that with a hundred percent confidence, then you're, you're taking it, you're, that time and that construction too far, typically, you know? So a question that I have is, and I was kind of wondering this, like the other day when we were on the inner circle call is when you're doing, for example, we can talk about the, the leak, the LinkedIn messaging Mm -hmm. sequence, I guess for me personally, when I'm reaching out to someone, I just don't really know what to say. Like when it comes to messages, if we're talking in person, then I can talk like, Oh, I really like your nails or something. But like digitally, I don't even know what to say. So it's just like, Oh, okay. Yeah. So how do you, how do you keep engaging that conversation? Yeah, for sure. That's actually funny how you said that. You're like, I like your nails, right? That's like something that women can typically really slam a report, an awesome report, really, really quickly close compliments, things of that nature. I'm the same way. I like complimenting people, right? People, I mean, the fact is in 2021, people are, are not getting gassed up enough as it is, right? There's so many people that will be so quickly to go comment something mean on their posts. Like people just are not gassed up enough as it is. Right. So if I'm like having an intimate conversation that way, I'll just go look at the profile. Right. And see what kind of stuff they post. Right. Um, And because of the things that people post about are things that people care about. So they make it really easy for you. And it really doesn't take more than 25 seconds to go scroll down someone's Facebook, whether they shared something, posted something, et cetera, and find something there that you can you can connect with. And preferably something that you care about as well, because then your compliment will be really genuine. Right. So for me as a guy, like it's really simple, right? Cars, bikes, sports. If somebody agrees with me politically, we're best friends. (laughs) And if not, that's fine. We don't talk about it. Right. Right. Like, so check that stuff out. And it just makes uh, such an easy way to stand out from the crowd and stand out from the guy who just pitched somebody without even looking at the profile, you know? Yeah, totally true. Yeah. Lead with compliments. You can't go wrong with compliments. You know, you really can't. So with what you're doing now, would you say that LinkedIn is your favorite like platform or do you have like, what are the, I guess, top three uh, platforms that you actually, uh, think are are good for marketing for what you do yeah so that's that's a really good question so there's two different sides to that right you have organic traffic which is you know people for example somebody listening to this podcast right they came across you you provided them an awesome episode and they organically want to reach out and work with you right then you have paid traffic right those are those sponsored ads on facebook or instagram or or the videos before you watch your youtube video that's paid traffic. Um, so organically, I do like LinkedIn a lot because um, you can grow that profile pretty quickly. Um, and LinkedIn 
like I said, in that inner circle call, like it's the Google of professional people. Like you can really hyper target exactly who you want to connect with uh, and open up conversations that way. On the paid side, LinkedIn is not so great, depending on who your audience is. Like, for example, I was running some Facebook or I was running some paid ads on LinkedIn for a client. um, And we got an offer for real estate investors that uh, we're looking to get new apartment buildings. Well, LinkedIn doesn't have the best audience builder to begin with. So we had to take their email list, break it down, scrub it, scrub it, scrub it, stack it. And then we could, you know, create lookalike audiences on LinkedIn. Um, So it's just not the most user-friendly ads manager on LinkedIn. Um, On Facebook, Facebook and Instagram, paid ads, by far my favorite. I can get my costs really, really cheap per lead. Um, And it just has like a really well done ads manager and audience builder. So I can go target exactly who I want. And on the organic side, I love Facebook so much, specifically because oftentimes, you know, it's really easy to stand out from the crowd there too, right? Whenever, you know, so I just like documenting my life and my journey and all the cool stuff I do, uh, my hobbies and my business, you know, so it's like a cultivation of my life and my content. And that has done an extraordinary job just attracting my ideal client avatar, just the exact person I want to work with. And so that's been really awesome. But if you're looking for like serious traffic to an offer or to something you want to test, organic just can't produce enough clicks that paid traffic can produce. And so you kind of have to, right? If you're trying to have, you know, some serious eyes on your offer. So I like the YouTubes, the YouTubes for organic. Well, I, I personally don't have a YouTube channel. Uh, one of my best friends is, is getting pretty YouTube famous. I think he's probably about 300,000 subscribers. Uh, It's him and his wife. They're in the automotive space and they wrap supercars in park city, Utah. And, um, man, it's just blowing up their business. They're, they, they have a mobile detailing business and their YouTube and their wrapping business. And it just blows them up. People will ship their cars all over the country to their wrap shop because of their awesome content. And, you know, not even in all of their, con- it's not like all about wrapping. It's just about their life and the fun stuff that they do. So I do like YouTube as well. Um, I just haven't focused the time and allocated it to building my own channel, but uh, it's, it's on the list. So yeah. Noted. Awesome. So a quick question I have before we start wrapping it up is Joe and I keep hearing that with paid ads, like with Facebook ads, you should spend a certain amount for the ad spend to get like enough traffic. And we've heard different numbers, like you should spend 500 a month, you should spend a thousand, you should spend 1500. So in your opinion is like, what's that about? Yeah. I I mean, breaking it down per month makes sense if you have a proven offer and a proven process. But the truth is most people don't, right? Most people are like launching a campaign to try and figure it out. Right. Uh, And so for me, that's a per day budget. You know, I want to track that every single day. And I would say the smallest budget 
to feel comfortable getting like some accurate data on would probably be 15 to 20 bucks a day on a campaign, maybe, maybe two or three ads tops inside of that. But as you scale, right, like the numbers unlimited, because if you're producing ROI on the ads, right, it makes sense to keep scaling those ads, right? But you know, what's funny is I needed to create a lead magnet that's something along the lines of the top three things you need to ask your marketing agency before you hire them. Because I would literally put my email in right now. Dude, I mean, it. <laughs> It's so crucial, right? Because it's so easy to get started. Anybody can open up an ads manager account and just call themselves a marketer, right? And they right. often charge you a retainer and they don't get the results. And two months later, they move on to somebody else. Like that's yeah. terrible. But if, if somebody says, hey, we can't do this unless you have, have $5,000 a month ad spend, your offer won't work. I don't think they really know what they're talking about, you mm-hmm. know? So I'm yeah. glad you say that because somebody did say something similar to that to me the the other day. Yeah. The most crucial figure is your cost per conversion, right? How many dollars in Facebook ads do I need to spend to receive X ROI, right? So let's say you have a thousand dollar offer, okay, and I have to spend twenty dollars on Facebook to make a thousand dollars on my offer keep scaling right if it's converting working and it's everything's good there you know you keep keep scaling it Uh, that cost per conversion cost per lead um those numbers are crucial those numbers are really really crucial um for our really high-end stuff like trying to target like accredited investors or uh potentially um real estate entrepreneurs that we want to come to our events etc um I still like to see my cost per leads below $10. Um, That's nice. But, you know, if, 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 if it's a free offer, you know, let's say I'm, I have a free webinar. I mean, man, you can get those costs per leads to less than a buck, you know? So then it's, then it's up to you to be on the conversion side on the webinar. Right. So just an example, but yeah, man, I'm going to create that lead magnet, dude. Yeah, do you got to do it. <laughs> I'll be the first person to put my email in for that. Right. Oh, I don't. Uh, I might not be a target audience, but I, I'm going to download it anyway. <laughs> oh, man. It would be so crucial for all business owners because yeah. at some point or another, they're going to get pitched by a marketing agency at yeah. one point or another. And probably eight times out of 10, the people I've worked with tell me about how they got ripped off or screwed over by some marketing agency that promised them the world underperformed underdelivered, and went ghost, man, it happens all the time. And so that'll be a passion project for me to put together that lead magnet because I'm just tired of it. I'm just tired of it. Yeah. That's definitely something that I think I see a lot as well. And it's, kind of like you said, like even when I, when I, I learned how easy it is to actually just launch a campaign. And I was actually surprised at how easy it was, but it's actually pretty difficult, (laughs) or at least for me, it was to get good results from it. So it's like, you know, you can easily be somebody who doesn't really know what they're doing. And you can say, Hey, I can get you X amount of leads from Facebook because it's just so it's so simple to just hop on a platform. Like you could throw together an ad in maybe like 10, 15 minutes. Exactly. Maybe not even that. And I think 
a lot of people struggle. And I, I see the, the, um, the value in outsourcing that I see the value in outsourcing a lot of things. And I think that's one of the things in business that, you know, the average business owner, if they're just working on scaling their business, I think they should oversee how those ads are performing, but they don't want to check that on a day-to-day basis. I don't want to check that on a day-to-day basis. So I know there's a lot of people out there who will find value in that lead magnet. So, um, Another question that I wanted to ask is kind of starting to wrap it up now. We've talked about a lot. We've talked about copy. We've talked about organic traffic, paid traffic. It's been a very eventful podcast to me personally, because like, I I just, I'm not a great marketer, but I respect great marketers. And I think you're one of those people. What is the number one takeaway that somebody should get from just knowing you or even hearing this podcast? Yeah. Oh, geez, man. That's such a good question. (laughs) I'd probably go back to, I'm just a kid buying apartments with a friend and building business. You know, it's so funny. Like when I I was actually talking about this the other day, I had somebody from high school reach out who's looking to get in real estate. He's been following my journey and wanted to talk to me about it and, I was like, man, you have no idea how much crap and how much hate and how much negative stuff I got when I first started documenting my journey, talking about buying apartments without even buying one. Right. Oh, wow. And so, I mean, oh, man, I people tell me I was a scammer and this, this and this. So, you know, if you're at a place, whether you're already successful and you have your business and you're established it probably won't relate to you, but if you've, if you're in the process, this probably will relate a lot to you. Stay true to yourself, stay true to your mission and keep focused on why you got started in the first place, especially if you're going to be publicly documenting your journey and your process, because you're going to have a lot of people that are going to want to knock it down. Um, so yeah, stay true to yourself, stay yeah. focused. Sure. That's such a great uh, piece of advice because it reminded me of me and Jasmine saw the new Tom and Jerry movie. And <laughs> it reminded me when uh, the the guy was in the hotel and he was like talking to his girl. He was like, I started from nothing and I worked my way all the way up to the middle. <laughs> and that's, and that's, and that's like that. That's exactly how I feel in my career. Like I did start from ground zero but I'm not at the top yet. So it's like, I have to tell people I, I'm at the middle now. So yep. like I get to brag a little bit, just not too much. <laughs> and I think a lot of entrepreneurs probably uh, feel that same way. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you're on the Abundant Culture Podcast and we like to ask this question to every guest that comes on because we get so many different answers. And the question is, how do you spread abundance? Yeah, for sure. Um, gosh, I think my biggest thing is just trying to spread number one, this is corny as it sounds, just positivity in general, but number two, just being honest about my journey. Right. And showing people number one, it's not all rainbows and daisies. Right. Um, And so I think, you know, I don't know the exact figure, but just, I've been documenting my journey as an entrepreneur on social media for going on about four years now, the amount of people who reach out to me said, Chad, I just quit my job and went full-time on my passion project on my business because of this, or 
Um, I've been following you and I just acquired my first single family rental because I watched your journey. Right. I get that stuff all the time. And so it's just like, I won't stop doing it, you know, because it it impacts people positively. Um, And it shows, I think, just think it shows people like you can be different, you know, and you don't have to live that norm of nine to five life in a, in a W2 role, you know? So, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I'll get on calls with, with people for free and stuff and just try and give advice and help and see where I can. And, you know, just all around, I try to be a decent, try to be a decent dude, you know? (laughs) Well, I think you're doing good job thus far. So keep it going. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so if somebody wants to work with you or your team, how would they get into contact with you? Yeah, for sure. Um, if you're interested in working with me, you can just go to chadwhitfelt.com. And if you're just interested in being my friend, you can go to Chad Whitfeld on Facebook. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. And to the person listening, make sure you check out the Inner Circle Mastermind um, because as you can see, it's pretty awesome. We referenced it. I don't know how many times we referenced it in this one episode, but we also had DJ and Adam on who are Chad's partners. So join the mastermind because it's awesome. (laughs) And Chad, thank you again so much for coming onto the podcast and giving us a wealth of knowledge because we learned so much. So I honestly, like the audience, like they probably, you you blew their minds. So thank you. (laughs) My pleasure. Appreciate you. If you don't diversify your investment portfolio, you could end up losing it all. But most business owners don't know how to diversify to mitigate those risks. That's why we created this resource for you. This passive investing guide is a must-have if you're planning to invest in businesses. Don't hesitate. If you have more than 25 grand liquid, then you can't afford not to take advantage of this resource. Download the four reasons why in 2021 you need small businesses in your portfolio now by going to www.abundantculture.co forward slash guide. Thank you for listening to the Abundant Culture Podcast with Jazz and Joe. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave an honest rating and review. And remember, we're ready to buy your business. So if you're ready to sell or passively invest in other small businesses, go to AbundantCulture.co for more information. We publish episodes every Friday, so we'll see you next week.